The views and opinions expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by American Football Ireland. As always, guys, this show is just a bit of crack, so please, no giving out. Joe Kinahan. And I'm Robbie Caldwell. Let's get that. Yay. So, football, guys. It's a thing that's still happening <laughs> for most teams. Yeah, we've had quite a bit of football, actually. Where do you want to start? Last time, Joe, we said we start in the future, and then we didn't start in the future, we started in the past. Yeah, I kind of noticed that listening back to the episode that he's done there without me. Um, it was intriguing, like, the strategy you just took behind how that, that went. Oh, yeah? But yeah, it, it, it worked. It worked in its own way. <laughs> no solid there. Well, it's one of those where you have a game plan going into it, and then, you know, things happen during the recording, during a game, you adjust on the fly and, you know, the the one um, the one kind of constant throughout those was giving out about or talking about in some way, shape or form refereeing for a good 20 minutes. Yeah. Whether it's a pod or a game day, whether it's reminiscing or ranting, it's always, it always comes back to the refs. <laughs> yeah, uh, not much love given to the Perseverance around the league this year or any other league or any other year. You know, you make do with what you get and at the end of the day, like if there's only so much that they're going to affect you, like so you can't blame them full hog. Especially Kelly. She's Kelly. <laughs> I think I'm just like, right, okay, that's fine, lads. It's all grand. We, I suppose we do have to give a bit of a leeway for Kelly, considering it is, what, half four in the morning for you at the moment? It's half five. Well, I mean, it's six. It would have been half five if you had both been here on time. But Love that's... Island has just started, so like I think we have a valid excuse there. All the new entrants into the villa, that's really what people want to know about. <laughs> who our favourites are, who we think would make a good American footballer, who we'd be having on the bench, <laughs> and who we wouldn't even allow into rookie training camp. Yeah. See, I was watching that, and I just realised, like, why was I not invited? That's ma- that's the main reason. They're only allowed one Irish guy each season, so they have their Irish guy, and that's that. <laughs> Very fair. I'll be on there next year, guys, don't worry. The exposure that this podcast provides is second to none, so. <laughs> it is, it is. Right, where, how are we making our way back from this now to the football? <laughs> um, Unlike uh, the Love Island Villa, football. which is sunny, Limerick, according to a certain Mr. Kinahan, it absolutely pissed out of the high heavens. It did, it did. It, it so really I did. think that's a, that's a nice wee transition. Very smooth, very smooth. Terrible weather. Do you know what? Nobody will even have noticed that transition. Nobody. Seamless, honestly. Seamless. Um, yeah, it was. It was it was a very poor day in Limerick. It actually, it, it looked like it was going to hold off the rain. Uh, literally, maybe even 10 minutes before kickoff, it was like, okay, a bit of a shower, but it'd be grand. And then it just it just kept coming and it got worse. Stuff and Jack Lynch were throwing a ball there on the sideline, maybe half, just before, just after halftime. We could actually feel the water wave in the wall. Wow. That's how much it had, it had come down. It's just, it was not the day to be just, for whatever reason, just the football gods decide, you know what? Limerick is not going to be the host of a, of a great football game today. No, but how are the facilities? Pitch was lovely. I must say, the pitch, pitch was gorgeous. Yeah. Actually seeing proper American football goals was, um, goalposts was 
was pretty cool. <laughs> the opportunities you get to do that or to see them in, in this league or in Ireland in general is uh, pretty slim. So that was pretty cool. Can't really argue too much about the sort of facilities they had, apart from the fact it was a bit of a trek to the pitch. But again, actual pitch itself was pretty good. Game was refereed pretty well. Ah, yeah. How did the game go? Like all, all, all I saw was the score, and you know, as we've said it many times before, you can't just talk about a game based on the score. And you need to see what went on. And like as a quarterback, you you've got like, well, we hope that you have excellent vision. I should have seen a lot of what was happening on the pitch. It was it was I don't want to say it was it wasn't sloppy. Like I feel in like you could get the exact same like those two teams together with the same game plan that they had going in to the game. You know, same matchup stuff like that. I feel like it would have gone a lot better. It was just again a really rainy day with. Heavy wet balls. And I will say as well, <laughs> heavy rain with 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 the comp, with composite balls. That's something that I don't want to say we got held back by. At the end of the day, you still got to put the ball there. You still got to hold on to it. But you you really do notice the difference between composite balls and leather balls in wet conditions. But I feel like the actual like again as always the effort put on on the field by both teams was fantastic. There were some hard hits. There were some you know great execution, great game plan for for uh, on both sides a lot of the time. Um, great play calling. I think it was just a case of again when it's hissing rain all day, and you come out of that second half, it can be very, it can be a very slow start to a second half when it's just like teams have been on the side sideline for 15 minutes getting rained on. It's like oh Jesus Christ, now I gotta go back out there. But it, it was a good game, honestly. Well, it was a good game. I think uh, Limerick had a block field goal, so that kind of helped us keep the the goose egg um, on the scoreboard. I think I think uh, uh, the rematch in Three weeks will be a lot more exciting and probably more points on the board. Yeah, but yeah. Happy to happy to be booked into the playoffs after three games played. Yeah, well, I was actually gonna say even just in terms of actually looking ahead, it's looking good for the Minotaurs because that clash against the Vikings, as we said in the last episode, that was a top tier clash. Trinity as well, you know, are kind of after falling a little bit by the wayside. Um, they're picking up a forfeit. We can talk about that later. In- greater detail um right now let's just focus on the positives and yeah playoffs. <laughs> playoffs, baby. i'm i'm not to i don't even want to go into the details of it but i'm like looking ahead for the minotaurs and you've got the crusaders um as well but i mean it's looking it's looking good for you going forward from this point i think that this this vikings game was a really important one for you is a very important one for you to, to win convincingly. Yeah, well, I think we'd kind of gone into the season saying this is our division to lose. We were that close in 2019, the last season. Like, literally a point away, you know, within, I would imagine, two or three inches away from a two-point conversion getting us up into the, into the Premier Division. So we kind of went into the season saying, look, we're going to win it or, like, we're going to give someone the division. Like, we're, like we're going to do something to mess it up because as far as we could tell, and as far as, we, I think as far as we've seen so far, or as much as we've seen so far this year, um, we see ourselves as the best team in this division by a good bit. Mm. Just a case of going out every Sunday and proving it. And again, when you look at, like like you said, you look ahead and Crusaders, we, we have matched up with them pretty well over the last four years including when they were, well, including when half of them were, were back there as they're like the South of their soldiers. You know, we could be facing, and again, every other team there in, in that um, in that kind of playoff run, we've played at least once. You yeah. know, the Vipers, we, we've matched up with them pretty well over the last couple twice. of years. 
Trinity is always a tough game when, uh, you know, when when they have their full squad. Uh, obviously, Vikings we've only played once, but we feel that we can probably get a better game out of them later into a summer where maybe it's not quite as fucking torrential as, <laughs> as it was Sunday. Yes. But yeah, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. We're obviously not going in uh, underestimating anybody, but I think we're pretty happy with where we're at that we can beat any team in this division. It's just a case of actually going out there and doing it. At this point, if you can remember, at this stage of the division in 2019 versus this point of the division in 2022, which which do you feel has been the more competitive year? Oh, see, that's hard because this year hasn't been as competitive for us because of the Eagles, really, to be honest. Yeah. I know I, I've joked about it before, but it it has genuinely messed us up in a bit. Like, I suppose I'll openly say it and um, lads and the team can talk to me at training on Sunday about it if, if, if they need to. But um, at the, I think at this point in 2019, we felt more confident in ourselves. But... I think we got too confident. Yeah. We had said at this point, you know, we, we, I think around this time we would have played, or the week, it would have been the weekend of a game against Trinity. And we went 6 and 0, I think, at that stage. And we were like, right, that's it. Division wrapped up. You know, we're the fucking bee's knees here. And then we lost our last two games, including a 26 0 shutout. Who was and that against? me throwing two picks against a team that Robbie may be playing for right now. So, <laughs> yeah, that, like, like, that, that's not so, like, we probably felt more confident in ourselves or maybe more sort of braggadocious. Would that be the right word there? More dickheadish than we are now, I suppose. Yeah. I think right, I think right now we're... Co- the top for a minotaur. We- yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the word that you said? We, um, yeah, like I think, I think we're at that right stage right now where we're like, okay, we're fully confident in ourselves without being too underestimating anybody. You know, yeah. we're not say like we know that the vikings could come out um in our, in our return game and they could show us something new the vipers are a very physical team they you know on a on a good day on, on on their day they could come out and put everything they've got into a performance that'd get them a win trinity have some great stars in their team that and they're all fit where even if they don't come with a full roster a lot of their guys can play both ways very well so it's not at a stage where we're we don't know what other teams can do we're just we're confident enough that in what we do that we can say, okay, we're just willing to prove it now. I think so. Yeah, to the very long-winded answer, it's definitely going to be cut. <laughs> I think cut. at this stage, in uh, this stage in the season, we're more confident than what we were in 2019. Um, but we've also shown less at this point in the season than what we did in 2019. We've had two games forfeited. We've had two offensive performances of under 20 points that is something that will come with game rust that develops when you play one game and then you have seven weeks off and then you have another game yeah um i think we're we're at a stage now where we're like okay we know what we do we know what we're really good at we're gonna try and let any team try stop us basically spoken joe like a football veteran of all at 23 years of age as opposed to what would you have been a wee gosson at 21 <laughs> before? <laughs> I'm still I'm still a wee gosson. I just I, I I just my arm is a lot more sore than it was two years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Rob, you also had a game since the last time we spoke. I did indeed. Did indeed. Talk us through. So unfortunately, um, I I missed the uh, the Mavericks and the the Razorback game up in New Forge due to. 
uh, a 30th toga party that happened <laughs> and the, the resulting aftermath that had to be dealt with from that. Um, so the last game there was the, the visit of the Causeway Giants to the metropolis that is Dundalk. And this game just went with the script that's been wrote so far this season. There was no sort of deviation from what we've seen in any of the other games. Uh, it was a Mavericks win from, from the get-go. The Giants, they didn't have their regular starting quarterback. Him and his brother, who's also down as his favourite receiver, weren't actually there on the day. So credit to him, Nathan Chapman stepped in. It was a difficult one. Like, you know, Nathan, as we all know, was a receiver for them usually. Going from receiver to quarterback, it's not always an easy transition when you're playing against guys who've been playing football for seven, eight plus years, it's not going to be the the happiest day of your career. From the get-go, it was just sort of, it was pure dominance from the Mavericks. Putting up 39 points, that, that running game that we've seen all season has just destroyed that league. If we're, if we're looking even at the stats, we've now got Brendan Sims on 12 touchdowns. We've got Dan Finley on, I think it's 10 or 11. Dan Finley himself actually went out injured in the first quarter. It could have been the second play, playing as outside linebacker, beautiful tackle made, but then just the, the aftermath of the bodies landing on top of him. The leg kind of stayed planted and the, the body went over it. Did not look great, did not sound great. Dan is a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal person. And yeah, he got up, he got a bit of the happy gas and walked himself off the pitch. Terrible to see that kind of thing happening. So at the minute, the Mavericks are just, they're hoping for him to have a speedy recovery, but it's really putting no massive dent in sort of where they where they see the rest of the league going. The points were just flowing. The, the throwing uh, from Nathan Herity, like catches were being made. Giants from the beginning were stacking nine in the box. You know, as we've said this many times before on this show, teams would be massively exploited in these lower divisions by anyone who starts throwing the ball. You can't keep putting nine men in the box when you've got a quarterback who is happy to throw the ball to his receivers. This is uh, Nathan's first year as a senior quarterback. He's played flag for two years. He's played just kidded. You're coming up against someone who knows how to throw a ball. He's got, you know, Declan Mulvihill there as a receiver. Alex Sims is another tight end receiver. People who have been in the league who can catch balls. It's like you gotta really like take a second and just look at who you're playing and be like, why are we putting nine men in the box? Why are we leaving these two receivers who are big bodied men with big hands that can catch balls out of the air? Why are we letting them get free? Now, I probably I probably shouldn't be telling other teams this, but at this point of the year, it's like someone's got to learn. You know, it could be eventually to the detriment of the Mavericks me saying this, but if you just got to watch the game, you just got to watch what's happening. You know, there's only so so much you can just like put everyone in, and even when you put everyone in online against them, when you've got the likes of Brendan Sims in a running back, Jerry Lawless in a running back, men who once they get to their full acceleration, are very difficult to bring down, very difficult to catch up with. They can bounce, they can cut, 
they can absolutely destroy you. It's very disheartening, I think, for other teams, especially when you like roll into town with good numbers, and then you're coming against guys who are playing both sides of the ball, who are putting up a score nearly on every possession. They get the ball, they're driving home. The teams in the lower divisions, I feel that some line-specific work from all the teams that I've seen the Mavericks play against, the one that gave them the most trouble would have been the, the Jets up in Antrim. They had a D-line which was aggressive and was not afraid to get rough and physical. From what I've heard as well from the guys who are at the, the second uh, Razorbacks game up in New Forge, the Razorbacks at home are also a different beast. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't travel as well, but at home they get the numbers. They're a lot more aggressive and a lot more willing to fight Yeah, that's an interesting one, Rob, because that division is starting to close off now because it's a tight enough wee division. So, Joe, it's you're the the deep dive expert, but it's looking like it's going to be a, you know, a Mavericks and either what is it, a Jets or a Razorbacks final. I think go straight to final or what what way do the playoffs work? Straight straight to final for the lower division, yeah. So it's looking it's looking at this stage that it's going to be a Razorbacks or a Jets. Is that pretty much closed off or what What way are you thinking that's going to work, Joe? Yeah, like, like the Mavericks are already in. You've got the Jets, Razorbacks and Giants fighting for the second spot. But I think like that loss on Sunday for the Giants was big, like a big killer for their season or for their playoff hopes. They're a win and a half behind the Jets because... They forfeited a game. I think that was to the Razorbacks. So they, the Giants would have to win out. They'd be looking for the Jets to lose to, um, I think, the Pirates. I think they'd be looking for the same from the Razorbacks. And I just think that, again, not, not you know, we don't like to be taking the mick out of teams too much. But I think just with the way the Pirates have played so far this year, it's a tough ask for the Giants to be looking for the Pirates to win two games. Yeah, of course out of their last three and again with the Giants having to win out uh, I believe they have the Mavericks again later in the year next month Robbie is that right? Three three weeks time I'm going to say three, week, three weeks time after losing 39-0 it's a, it's a tough it's a tough projection to have them win in that game in the return fixture so I think realistically it, ru- it rules the Giants out so you're yeah. looking at the Jets and Razorbacks really so it's going to be a tight race for that because again the, the Razorbacks are only behind only behind by the one win, but uh, I'd have to double check now. I'm not entirely sure, but I don't know if the bylaws is just strictly how the record goes for head to head, or is it like points difference based as well? Oh, there's a few different tiers on how, right, yeah, I, yeah. how it goes. Jeez, don't be putting me on the spot like that, Joe. Jesus Christ! Like, <laughs> I think I think the the, the smart money would be on uh, uh, Mavericks and Jets. Final. I think this podcast is very much behind the Razorbacks. We like it. We like a bit of an underdog. I know. Yeah, and I like how fast they're improving as well. The follow-up question that I had then, based on that, Rob, how would you be feeling about potentially meeting either the Jets or the Razorbacks in a final type situation? The Mavericks will play whoever's put in front of them. Uh, it's always been the Maverick way, you know, with a small squad. That they've they've always seemed to have you know big numbers on paper, small numbers 
at games and you know even smaller numbers of training. But I, I don't think they they fear anyone. You know, provided players don't book holidays to go to Salou, they'll be at the finals. <laughs> if they don't get called into Love Island. <laughs> From talking with the players, the Razorbacks in New Forge are a different beast, and that you know potentially like they would maybe be the least preferred option to play in a final. But saying that, the, the Mavericks can take whoever was given to them and they should, they'll be looking for a win, another piece of silverware and just sort of get that medal at the end of the day and then roll on Division 1 next year. Is that information we can divulge at the moment? Are you talking about the announcement, the public announcement of the Razorbacks to host the Division 1, Division 2 t- bowls? Uh, I suppose uh, if it's been made public, then I suppose. But I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I could, what we could say or what we couldn't say. I think it's been made public. Sure, it has been now. I just heard it on the sideline. <laughs> you what? Fair. Yeah, yeah. We we heard it from a from a league source. From, sources sources tell us that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all know that you know secrets in AFI. It's like the Titanic, leaky as. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting because we're at that stage of the year where games, wins, losses are, are really starting to impact a lot on what the shape of the playoffs look like. I still think the first few games are every bit as important as the last few games, but with the last few games, things start to narrow out and thing, like teams start to be omitted and you can really see the effect of the overall season occurring at this at this stage is kind of what I'm saying. Um, back to the state of... Trinity at the minute and I just don't know if they're going to recover then Joe it's kind of looking obviously like it'll be Vikings or Vipers Can I, can I just hop in here quickly yeah. Kelly and just like sorry for cutting across you but just on about teams being omitted so from what I've heard what I understand is that if a team forfeits a game they were automatically ineligible to make it to the playoffs no, um, two or more, I believe. Two, two or, or more. more. So you can, you can forfeit one and still be eligible, as far as I am aware. Could be, again, could be wrong, Kelly. You might more know than me being on the board. I don't know any more on that, but I don't... What's the point then, Kelly? Gee, why are you on here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know, to be honest, but I don't think that it's... I don't think it's one... It's definitely not one forfeit, then you're ineligible. Like, um, otherwise, sure, we wouldn't know. It, the Giants, like, no. It just, no. I think there's a certain amount of forfeits that you can't do. Plus, like, to be honest, most of my bylaw bylaw knowledge is in the area of refing and appeals. Yeah, like that. yeah. As, as, far as, I, as far as I remember it too, but again, I could be wrong. Don't yell at us if we're wrong, because we usually are. What, what was the question? Something about how the playoff picture would shape up? <laughs> I mean... I mean, we're in. That That is about the extent of how much I'm particularly bothered, to be honest, yeah. that the Minotaurs are in. <laughs> but uh, I think, I mean, there's a few different ways it could go, right? Because if the Vipers beat the Crusaders, yeah. that means that the Vikings have to win at least one more game to have a home playoff game. So, I mean, they have us and Trinity. Yeah. So they, they have to get a win from either of those two games. And then obviously that knocks on to Trinity then. If, if ULB Trinity, Trinity need a win from the Crusaders. They'll actually need two because of the forfeit. So they need to beat both the Crusaders and the Minotaurs, Minotaurs at the end yeah. of their season. And then obviously the Crusaders need to win out. So they need to beat Trinity 
us and the Vipers to get in. So it's really weird. Like, again, we'd kind of said, or the whole kind of uh, dynamic and... But what about the the Vipers then? I mean, the Vipers only have one more upcoming game, the Crusaders. Assuming just with the state of Trinity, the Vikings will win against Trinity, let's say. But also going on the previous head-to-head, they could lose against you. I would predict the Vipers would win against Crusaders, which means that the Vipers and the Vikings will finish on the same record. Yeah, and then it comes this down to is, point difference. This is all some higher level math stuff here that you're going through. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm sorry. I, this is all over my head. I am certain that there's a listener out there who can put together a nice wee graph just to, to highlight everything and to show you know all the possible outcomes. Hmm. Listener, well, please send that into us and just we'll if, give you credit for your for your picture. Just make sure that you also send in your name phonetically so we can get it right here on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, <laughs> we we have a tendency to not do that. Completely mess up names. I think, um, yeah, there, there's a couple different ways it could go. The Vi- Yeah, so if the Vipers beat Kildare and UL get one win from their last two, then it goes on point difference between Vipers and the Vikings as to who would uh, get the home field game. Oh, interesting, because that, that's a tight game at the minute. There's something like eight points between them. Vikings are on 99 and the Vipers are on 107. The remainder of the table is not just about wins, but it's also for both those teams how much they score. Yeah, and that's where the, that's where the tie really comes into it. That's where the Trinity forfeit, really, because like, you've got three teams on seven points right now. The Crusaders, again, the Crusaders can still kick any one of those two, any one of those three teams out uh, if they win out. So it's really, again, it's a really interesting run-in. What has made this very interesting as well is the head-to-head between the Vikings and the Vipers, which finished finished on the tie. That's what's made it very interesting. That that would be a division to watch over the next few weeks. I'm just glad I'm not a part of that race, to be honest. Yeah, you know, you're just like chilling out. No stress. Just go out and play football. Yes, the most the most relaxing pastime, right? Is that us done with TV2 and TV1 in our little deep dive playoff projection? Are we ready to go to the Premier? Well, well we probably should, you know, give some, some light to the trendy game. And yes. just with the rights and costs of inflation, how Susie Grant's has continued to be cut <laughs> and just the sort of the devastating effect that it is having on students the length and breadth of the country that bus fares are no longer viable option to travel to games. It's a very sad state of affairs and it's something I think that we as not just a football league but also as a society need to really look into and send our best wishes and condolences to both teams on not being able to play football and that possibly there's a need for a fund that all teams could pay into to help uh, provide accommodation for students in need. <laughs> is that is that how the layperson helps? Yes, we are in this together. This is an appeal, is it? This is an appeal. <laughs> Just set them up in the uh, metropolis that is Dundalk. County Louth. It's a nice stopover is, from Santry. Is this why you were like, oh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the Trinity game later. Like, did you... <laughs> <laughs> Rob's been reading off a script the last party political broadcast, you know, here in front of me. We'll never know. We'll never know. This it's is an uh, urgent... audio show, so you can't see what's going on. He had an urgent appeal. An urgent appeal. <laughs> 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 
right. And on on that note, are we happy to move to premiere? I think premiere gets too much spotlight, so that's the episode. That's it. We're done here. Well, I could I I was in half of the Vipers territory today. I I let you in on that here on this beautiful bank holiday Monday, which is not a thing in the north because they had their their platinum jubilee, so weekend. Um, seemed like a great, great event. Lovely way to spend taxpayers' money. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wheezing here. Jesus Christ. You can't out, you can't out the Queen on a fucking AFI podcast. <laughs> Like whatever about Rhino Pride and oh fucking crash and pro- crash and burn was that what it was like whatever about a team. Thankfully, the laughter stopped me from going any further with that one. Pro- the, the best game podcast became a political podcast so slowly I didn't even understand. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Is it? Is that from? Uh, is that from The Simpsons? Yeah. No, like, Actually, I, 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 don't know. I mean, I'm not editing that out. Let's eat. Okay, let's just discuss this editing out shite. Every time you say, oh, we'll edit that out, we'll edit that out, you create about 20 minutes work for me. Like, I think you feel like we have a whole production team. Like, no, this is me in my spare time having to go through. And you can't search. It's not like, oh, word search for the word edit. You have to listen. And I'm like, because I know one of those feckers said something around the hour time where they're, oh, we can edit that out. It's like, just say it and leave it and I'll decide if it's going to be edited out. Because as soon as you're like, oh, we'll edit it out, you've broken the fourth wall and then it has to be edited out. Like, oh, stop. (laughs) So anyway, back to my little monologue. I was up in part of the Vipers Territory, up in the beautiful Donegal. Um, I went up to Port Port Salon. I'm going to say Port Salon. Uh, It's about half an hour east of Downings. Uh, Then I went to Downings afterwards. Um, to the harbour bar so it was absolutely buzzing like uh, I know my grandparents back in the day used to have like a wee place a wee mobile home up in Downings it seemed to be the place to go getting you know, a few fish tacos some scampi a few chicken wings just overlooking overlooking the bay beautiful way to spend to spend the uh, the bank holiday Monday I, I actually propose, you know, nothing against the city of Derry. I've said it many a time before. I love the walled city, love the people, uh, everything about it. A little game over in Donegal, maybe every once in a while, overlooking the, the Atlantic Ocean would be quality, quality. They have the scenery, just make it happen, simple as. There's actually a pitch, I know it's a Gaelic pitch, beside the, uh, the Ross Penna Hotel. Um, if you get get onto someone there, I know the Mavericks have rented GA pitches before. It would be some beautiful scenery to have a wee game. Yeah, and this is an alert to all the Vipers management that Robbie is open to a transfer. <laughs> yeah. I would I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. I think you know, like a lot of things regarding the dog, um, Mavericks are no exception. Once you blood in, there's only one way out, and I would prefer not to take that route. <laughs> What way is that way out? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. How do you ask. get out? <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Like, it got very dark for a football yeah, podcast. You know, are you saying you're going to be murdered? 
you're saying. The lack of comment. <laughs> I'm like, right, we'll move on while the man still has both his kneecaps. Oh my god. We're a joke. We're a joke. We're such a joke. You know what? We Nobody should... should ever listen to us. We should never have moved away from the normal structure of going into Premiere and then working our way down because we've lost our way in this episode. We've lost our way. This is a mess. <laughs> right, so finally, finally, can we move on to Premiere? Pause. If you I know, yeah. It's not like there's anything big happening this weekend. Like it's a bit of it's a bit of a boring weekend coming up, isn't it? That is. Like, who wants to see number one versus number two in the Premier Division? Yeah, like, I was going to say, can you think of any any game that's happening this weekend that anybody cares about? Uh, uh, I'm playing golf on Sunday, and golf match, if that counts. <laughs> that's exactly what we thought, uh, yeah. That could be interesting. But after um, that, I kind of lost for content. For something to be at, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, hold on. I do believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that the Pirates are playing the Razorbacks. That's it. That's the one. That's the big game of this upcoming June twelfth weekend. Alright, fine, we can talk about Premier Division. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, pardon. Another set of Southside students take on Rebels. Yes, this is the one. And nobody, nobody can tell me this isn't the game that we have been waiting for since about since I think the Rebels second game because their first game against Cork we yeah they beat them okay 20 nil, but we didn't know enough about Cork and therefore we didn't know enough about the Rebels what was their next game maybe their next game was against the Rhinos and then we didn't we didn't feel that we learned too much about them after that but certainly when the Rebels came up against the Knights and then subsequently against the Trojans so that's from May, like January, March, April, May, June, like since about then, a, a month and a half have we been looking forward to this fixture. Me personally, I have anyway. Like we have UCD at Rebels coming up June 12th. This for me is the fixture of the regular season. I mean, you're getting a preview of what could end up being the Super, the, <laughs> the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl. Not quite. <laughs> we'd, love, we'd, love to, we'd love to say that. Sunday, twenty twenty three. It is Shamrock Ball, a close second. Do you know what I mean? And this, I, I, I think that you're right. I think it is. It's, it's that level of a game where I do feel like, obviously, the Admirals are going now for a playoff spot. The Trojans, I think, are a different beast these days, and they're certainly going to try and get a playoff spot. See, Ever since they came out of that big helmet, you know, the Trojans have been a different animal. Yeah. Well use protection you know it's important and uh <laughs> <The> smut <laughs> this, this episode is a disgrace but anyway <laughs> <laughs> this shouldn't make it air really but anyway um the the trojans and then you know, I think um, for me, I don't know. I think the Cowboys, like, I just don't think they're, I don't see them them, them doing it. I don't want to speak, like, too early. I know they have the Rebels upcoming. They're, they're not, realistically, I don't see them coming away with a win there. Then they have the Panthers, July 3rd. I mean, the way the Panthers are looking recently, that is possible. But the Panthers then, the, for me, the Cowboys and the Panthers are almost on, like, a down. They're losing momentum um, or have lost momentum and are really just trying to like clinch on 
to a playoff spot somewhere there towards the end of this season. Whereas the like that the the admirals, the Trojans are on an upwards trajectory trying to clinch a spot. But long story long, as you've said, Joe, it really does feel at this point like Rebels UCD could be a glimpse of what we would expect in a bowl in twenty twenty two. So it's just such such an exciting fixture and you know what that point will not be lost on either team i mean at the end of the day i think like we could see some you know if if it gets away at any stage i think we see rotation coming in like obviously everybody wants to be the number one seed going in and everybody loves an undefeated season but i think if you know if a team goes up early and say we get into halftime it's a 17 point game if it happens like that again you never know. I don't think we see the losing team come out and try and have this massive, miraculous comeback. Like, at the end of the day, both teams are kind of written into home field advantage in the playoffs already. The Rebels aren't mathematically in, but they're all but, you know, they're all but there. You know, if it gets to a stage where you're kind of ending the third, started the fourth, you, and if you're 17 points down, 20 points down, you might start thinking, you know what, this game is not entirely necessary. Yeah, at the same time, if it's a if it's a close game, then you you're gonna see teams battling, uh, both teams battling out. But say if if either UCD or the Rebels gets beaten by 20, 24 points, it could happen. Both teams have fantastic offenses. If one team's beaten that bad, I don't think that 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 this match should really be looked at as like a you know if we see this again in the final, if we see UCD and the Rebels, and we see oh well UCD lost by twenty four points against the Rebels, like it's obviously gonna happen again, like. To me, as big of a game as this is in the season, I actually don't think it should be much of a, you know, we shouldn't be saying they lost by this much two months ago. They'll probably lose by the same amount in this game. Like, it's a completely different dynamic, really. In season, when both teams have home field advantage pretty much locked up, compared to end of the season, Shamrock Bowl, you know, in a massive stadium, maybe 20,000 capacity, I think it is, in our unnamed venue. Our unnamed secret venue. (laughs) We've already had one leak, let's not have two. I know, I was wondering how far you were going to go with that. 20,000 Cedar Stadium, Tala. Yeah. (laughs) Morton Stadium. That's a real place. Morton. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The the, what, the the 4,000 Cedar with the... With the running track around. Oh, I knew that. I, I was like, that's a, a place. I know that that is a place. Yeah. Is that where it is? Ah. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I don't think AFI would, would do that to us again. <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> yeah, we're in a better place now. Don't worry. Oh, Keep an eye out on the socials. I was wondering, Joe, when you were when you were going on there, I was like, oh, how much is he going to say? Is he going to leak it? Like, I was giving you the space to do it if you wanted to do it. It's, and then just insert like, yeah. Just, <laughs> don't do that. It's too much editing. <laughs> Back to the, to the fuzzball. No, I, I agree with you. And especially with both teams having so many rookies and rookies that are really performing in this, in this year that um, it might be more important to get game time across the squad as opposed to, let's say necessarily getting a win in this game at the same time football is an egotistical sport and everyone loves to win and it'll it'll be hard to know what way teams will approach it if they'll approach it kind of going i mean a loss here isn't the biggest deal for either team and one team is gonna lose you know what i mean it's just maths i've ran the quick maths on that one and so it is just interesting to see 
if both teams will be putting everything into winning this game or if it will just be seen as like prep. Because neither team is going to want to show like their full hand against the opponent, knowing that at this stage it's quite likely that this is going to be the Shamrock Bowl. I think this is the Shamrock Bowl everyone is predicting, possibly has been predicting for quite a while. I don't think either team will be looking to run a full scale out and out attack against each other. You, you want to preserve something in the tank. You know, you want to sort of limit the injury risks. You, you want to win. Don't get me wrong on that. You know, you're still going to want to win. But I think both teams will be sort of working on a way that they can win smart, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. In that you get the W with sort of the least amount of physical toll taken by any of the players. There's a few exciting matchups within this game. So one for me that I'm excited for is how UCD pass offense matches up against the Rebels pass defense. Because you have Dylan Paisley there, you have Rex Harding, you also have the likes of like Alan Dowdall, who's another rookie that we actually don't talk about enough on this podcast. Uh, on the flip side, UCD, you have Aaron Mooney, who's sitting on... I mean, it's not even close for touchdown scores and the next upcoming QB, it's something silly. What has he scored? Like 19 touchdowns on the season so far. You know, and, and you have like Sean Douglas there, you have Connor Hanrahan, you have a few different... Um, Tom Donovan also is after a score and even though he'd been getting silly yards during games, um, he's now on the, on the TD stats sheet. It's just going to be so exciting to see how those how those match up because for me the UCD pass offense is probably the strongest in the league but I also feel that the Rebels pass defense is one of is the strongest in the league maybe after Cork I think Cork have a very strong defense and probably doing them a bit of an injustice there but the the Rebels pass defense is is quite strong we're looking there like with Dylan Paisley leading the league in interceptions we've got you know Ken McCarthy and then Rex Harden like, you've got at least 10 interceptions there between those three guys for the Rebels. Um, it's, it, like, they can do it. You know, they can do it. I still think, I still think, though, a touchdown is worth more than an interception. And it's always <laughs> going to be the way it is. You know, the, these are cold, hard facts. <laughs> Making moves here in the domestic game, a touchdown is worth more points than an interception. All you need is that one score to win a game. You know, like at the end of the day, if you've got like three or four interceptions and still lose, you've still lost. Yes. <laughs> I know, like the I, words not... you're saying are like too obvious, but I, yes, we yeah we get yeah. I feel that if you have the high scoring offense that. UCD have, whether it be through the air or whether it be through the ground, they will be able to overcome two at a push, maybe three interceptions by the Rebels. I feel that they have the capability of still going forward and righting those wrongs and getting the touchdowns that they need to win the games. But do you not think that the Rebels also have a very high-powered, high-scoring offence? Well, I, I know their defense is pretty high scoring. Well, that's <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, that's true. Very high scoring defense. I've said that all year. It's a very high scoring defense. 
from an offensive point of view, there's there's nothing really where I can see the Rebels sort of far well rushing in the touchdowns. There's nowhere else really where I can see mad points coming from for for them. Oh wow! Oh wow! Oh, I'm loving this. So going into this game, is it fair to say that that you're you're thinking UCD is going to come out with this win? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to roll with students in sky blue. It's UCD for me. Oh wow, Joe! What about you? Oh God, I think. Uh... I think the Rebels, because you alluded to there, Kelly, like Ty Henry is also quite an efficient quarterback. 11 passing touchdowns on the year. Obviously, we've talked about uh, Wello and how he's just running through the league right now. Ty also runs in a couple. He has two or three rushing touchdowns, I think. So he does he add does. that, uh, you know, that kind of dual threat. And, and, then, and as we said, like the Rebels defensive backfield just seems to really love getting interceptions and I think when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rooney who loves throwing the ball you're more increasing the risk of leading into the defense's strength just purely statistically again we can't do our full next gen Amazon powered stats and say oh well this team has x amount of pressures in the years like we can't calculate that unfortunately as much as I'd love to we can't we just haven't got the system launched yet <laughs> just not on the budget just yet like the rebels don't create a crazy amount of stat or a crazy amount of sacks and ucd obviously have a very good offensive line so you're not expecting too many sacks from the rebels in the first place but they're still able to get all those turnovers despite the apparent uh the apparent we'll, we'll call it a weakness but it's not a weakness it's not, when it's yeah, the rebels yeah. like it's, it's still a strength it's just not as highlighted as uh, a strength as their uh, defensive backfield is so you've got a really kind of gunslinger type uh, with Mooney who loves throwing the ball against a defense who loves picking the ball off and I think that's where it's going to come down to it and with how they've been playing so far this year I actually do fancy the Rebels to come down with a few two, two interceptions maybe and I think that could you know on a on a day where both offenses are really high powered I think it could come down to a defense getting a turnover that leads to 30 yard drive instead of a 60 70 yard drive and when uh, your rebels have ty henry you have wallow you have all the weapons that they have you give them short field you're really really risking the chance of losing that game so i'll take the rebels um yeah I'll, I, yeah, I'll take the Rebels. I'll probably go back on that by the end of the week, but I'll take the Rebels for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you can, you can, you can flip flop all you want. We don't mind. We have it. We have you on on tape now. <laughs> so, but, um, like in trying to measure these offenses, like I think the biggest challenge that both of these offenses have faced has been the Admirals' defense, and both have come away with the exact same scoreline. So for me, it's coming down to the defense and also the offensive adjustments. I do think that one thing the Rebels are very strong at is adjusting and adjusting their players. They have a few very dynamic players that can go in slot, can go in uh, in the backfield. And they have quite a complex playbook and they know how to even set up like the deep threat 
by kind of drawing in the defence, drawing in the defence, play on, play on, play. Um, so in terms of firepower, I like UCD. Um, I think they're efficient and like that they're high scoring, well-oiled, well-repped, very strong. They know what they're doing. Their roots are clean. In terms of offensive depth of playbook and adjustments, I like the Rebels with that. And then defensively, I do feel that the Rebels defence again like I'm like you I could go back on this but I do feel that the Rebels defence is that wee bit stronger than the UCD defence as I'm saying that I'm um, thinking of standout players like Larry Doyle and I'm going why am I saying this because the UCD defence is very strong as well this is just an incredibly difficult one to to call right now I'm gonna go with the Rebels but I will not be close to surprised if the if UCD comes away with this either um it's just such an exciting fixture I'm so glad we're finally at this point we're looking forward to it for so long <laughs> yeah. do you have um betting lines this for this episode oh do I hold on um if I don't I'll make them up uh, on the go it yeah. could be a little bit earlier in the week for my uh for my source for my guy in Vegas who wants line who has the betting lines just no I don't I don't think we do Let's, UCD let's them up. minus two. Okay. UCD oh, minus UCD two. Minus two. UCD minus two. I'm going to put Rebels for two interceptions as well. Okay. It's another standalone bet. Or if Do that prop was bets now? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, what's your insider, Robbie? Was Robbie the insider? Aaron Mooney to throw oh. for over 193 yards. Ty Henry to rush. For plus 52. Speaking of Ty Henry Russian, right, which is an option that I think comes into it a bit more. More American. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Robbie, you're killing it today, man. Like, you are. This is your episode. Like, you're coming in with the insights, with the stats. 193 yards for this offense. That is a carefully selected number. He's run, he's looked at this every which way. He has selected 193 for a reason. It will not be 194. It'll be 193. Like, <laughs> I am the rain man here. Fun, fun fact, before I started college back in 2010, I went on um, iRadio. So iRadio had like a a remembery, a remembery remembering challenge and they'd say one word and you'd have to remember it and they'd say another word. I got to 18. What's the word remembering? I was very good at remembering things back then. Uh, I got to 18 words that I remembered. <laughs> like just any 18 words. Well, no, like, I'm surprised I'm surprised you got, I'm surprised you know 18 words to be honest Robbie. Presenter <laughs> would say a word, I would repeat the word. Uh, then they would say another word and I'd have to repeat the first word and the second word so we got to 18 different words and I want a laptop and where's the, that laptop today? <laughs> no 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 um, he has that a laptop is long corrupted and away mass concrete never to be exhumed never to be exhumed <laughs> Was exhumed, exhumed was the first word you had to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely was. But anyway, um, anyway, I was saying about Ty Henry and the 
a rushing and actually that's something that really comes into particularly on the two-point conversions you know it's kind of one of those again whenever you express an opinion on something before it happens you can you can really come away looking very silly but I think that this game could potentially come down to the two-point two-point conversions and that's something that the rebels are so good and traditionally have been so good at getting their wins from is because they always tend to go for two they don't kick you know so it only needs to pay off 50 percent of the time to to work every time to work every time yeah it only needs to (laughs) to pay off 50 percent of the time to work every time but they have it so well drilled and they do tend i think to go for on russian options on the on the two-point conversions either between uh wello dave king there or um ty henry himself is quite strong and rushing in whereas ucd have dan versu we know that now uh, we have that phonetically correct i mean he has a boot on him um and they they can often let's say decide to go for the kick instead of the two-point conversion so i think that those like the, the the points after and special teams could even come in quite strongly into this game it just seems like such for me i think it's it's going to be quite a close one i really do feel i don't think either of these teams have it in them to get get badly beaten if that if that makes sense you know i i think that if even if one team let's say goes up three touchdowns not the other team is still thinking of coming back and and winning it do you know what i mean because both are are winning teams they they have that they're like either both team is gonna play this one to the end regardless of how the actual scoreline goes it should be it should be like that i just think with both teams Again, both teams are pretty much locked into playoffs now. Both teams are locked into home field. If you're down 21 nothing in the fourth quarter, I would rather keep pieces healthy than, you know, lose your star receiver or lose your star running back or your quarterback. Like, that's always a thing that can happen in football. Your quarterback gets injured. And then everything falls apart. And, you know, if, if you're trying to make a comeback and it's like 21-10 or, you know, say 21-7 with three minutes left on the clock and you're right right lads let's go down we score a quick touchdown get an onside kick blah, 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 blah. quarterback gets sacked say dislocated shoulder uh torn labrum that's it he's done for the year and now yeah. you don't have a quarterback going into playoffs that'd be the only thing that i'd be concerned about is that teams either of these teams try too hard to come back near the end i would be as a as a what would be an, an analytics based opinion would be to like listen if you're down by more than one score, or more, let's say more than 10 points with five minutes left. Don't be afraid to just say, hey, listen, lads, we know what we need to do to win the final. It's like play hard, stay healthy. Right. Moving on to what remaining within the Premier, we've two games on June 19th, which is the Panthers at, at Trojans and the Admirals at Rhinos. Starting with the, with the latter, Admirals at Rhinos, for me, the Admirals... The Admirals are really, like, I mean, they really come on. At this point, I mean, they have the Rhinos, they have to meet UCD again, and they have the Trojans, but they're certainly, certainly going for going for a playoff spot, and they're going to come into this um, game against the Rhinos. I think at this point, maybe it'd be fair to say they could, pretend, they could finish on maybe a 4-4 record, but they're going to be coming into this Rhinos game just trying to lock up that win. I don't think that the Rhinos are at a level that they're going to give the Admirals much difficulty in that. Where are you feeling on that as well? And then I wouldn't say going into like after game two, we sort of discounted the, the Admirals. A lot of people 
you know, ourselves included, still had a lot of faith in them. Since they've started getting going, I think it's that faith has paid off. It's clear to see that they are a good team, that they can play football, and that they're sort of already heading in the right direction. I can't, like looking at the performance there at the weekend against the the Knights, the pitch didn't look great from the video sort of that we got in from that. But they they can play football, they can make catches going into contact. The receivers were holding the ball um, whenever they were getting hit. They, they seem to be a good team. They, they seem to be pretty well drilled. I I would I'd take them over like I hate to be rhino bashing. You know they are an endangered species, but at this point I am I'm going to go with the admirals. Yeah, well, I think for the Rhinos, the game of their season and the one that they're probably thinking about at this point is going to be their final fixture on July 10th against the Knights. I mean, that's their... Both of those teams need to to win that game. The Knights probably have to win one more against the Trojans, which is July 2nd, but I don't even want to go um, that far, that far okay. ahead. I think that the Rhinos are really just... are probably at this point looking ahead to July 10th and that's the game that they, they want to win or need to win to stay to stay in the division. I've actually been impressed by the Rhinos. I, I'll, I'm genuinely going to say it here, that for all the smack that I spouted off across all the episodes, that the Rhinos are still in it. They're still like the, they're at their games. There's been a few questionable games and performances, but they're still playing. Like they're, they're being as competitive as they can be. They, they haven't given up, They're, they haven't laid down. Fair play to them for, because it can, can be so demoralizing when you're not having a great season. When you have everyone else, like the whole world has been against them. Like, let's, let's be honest, throughout the year, everyone's been sort of, like I said, or joke, rhino bashing. The fact that they're, they're still going, still giving teams a run, like fair play to them. And hopefully like next year, they are still going to be in the Premier Division. It's looking, it's looking possible the Knights would have to win, I mean, the remaining two games, I think, at this point, to, to stay in the division over them. Is that right, Joe? Just check in with the stats expert. Uh, what are the Rhinos now? 0-5? They're 0-6? No, no, they're not 0. Oh, they've won. They've won against the Pan- or the Cowboys. That was, that. I mean, what a surprise. Oh, yeah, that could be big. They're 1-5 right now, are they? They have only two games left? Yeah. Same as yeah. the Knights. The Knights may only need to beat the rhinos and that'd be it because then they'd have a head-to-head ah okay yeah so right so the rhinos yeah but that's it like i mean the rhinos at this point are just are just probably looking at that knights game and saying that they want to be yeah. they want to win that one. one one little um one little interesting note that we could add now before i before i say this right i i back the admirals in this game don't don't take this any other way right but the rhinos at home against teams that have traveled more than two hours are one and oh well, there you go. I've seen I've seen worse stats out there. I tell yeah. you what, I think that like like that's the kind of stat where you're talking geography, where you gotta just gotta lump the money on that. Put the house on it. Just moving away from the rhinos and to the admirals, the admirals for me are kind of the dark horse of this division because they have come up against UCD and the rebels and held them. Their defense has held them to the their tightest games which did actually end up being like 20 not let's say and now the admirals offense is after clicking so it's kind of one of those that the admirals if they make you know the playoffs face ucd 
again, let's say in, in July. It's something you said, Joe, on one of the previous episodes. Your defence tends to get stronger as the as the season goes on. And if it starts strong, it remains strong for the season, you know. It just will be interesting to see how the Admirals fare up against UCD and if you know, if they do make a playoff spot, um, you know, whoever they, they get in that. They could be the disruptor of this. Do you know what I mean? They could be the disruptor of this like picture that we're painting of a UCD Rebels final let's say because they've that strong defense and now their offense is after scoring it's like do I think that Stephen Hayes and the Cork offense could put up 20 plus points over UCD or the Rebels defense like at, in the form that they're in I mean I think that that potentially is possible so it's just one that I definitely haven't closed my mind to the idea that the Admirals could come in and kind of really really mess up this picture that that that's currently being painted across this division i mean at this stage you can't rule them out i think again you said it earlier we'd always kind of uh been on the train where you're we saying listen they've played two of the hardest teams in the division just let them get back to form and they'll be grand and they have been since since those first two games they've gone 3-0 in that time for all the flack we well I think it was mainly me flacking uh, Stephen Hayes. No, I joined in as well. Um, especially in those first two games. But, you know, there there had been a bit of, uh, you know, all Cork haven't scored a point or whatever. He's he's really shown that he can the, he, he can be a guy, you know. Put five touchdowns up on the Knights in their 41-21 win. Like, if they can carry this form that they've been on on offense into that UCD game... And then into the playoffs, regardless of whether it's UCD or the Rebels again. With the way they've been playing, they could they could genuinely again mess up, mess the whole narrative that it's going to be a UCD Rebels final. I think at this stage, I think it might take one more win to fully be like, okay, right, the Admirals should be a legitimate contender. Because I think the only knock on their last three games is, and I'm only bringing this up because we talked about the teams already, but Cowboys have been on a slump. Panthers were kind of on a slump for a while as well before they got to them, and then obviously the Knights are 0-6. As good as they've been, and again, I'm not a I'm not an Admirals hater, I'm not a Stephen Hayes hater, but I think you just do need to temper expectations of oh he's going to have five touchdowns against UC or UCD or, or the Rebels. It's like those numbers probably will come down, but to a level where it still would be possible to beat either of those teams. But I just don't think that like I uh, like the the production that they've had so far in the last three games. Don't expect that against UCD or the Rebels. Your defense is still going to need to make some unbelievable stops on long drives because both teams love to wear defenses out. Like, you know, I think those two games will be more of a test on defenses to really, you know, limit the Rebels or or UCD to, you know, 20 points maximum, probably 14 or 17 if you can. Anything more than that. And I don't think the offense, don't think it, they're going to be scoring 41 points like they have or against the Panthers 24 points like I don't see that type of a game again against UCD or the Rebels Jack coming out of that Rhinos Admirals game we're going with the Admirals on yes for the tape Rob is nodding his head (laughs) and then we're talking about the emergence of teams and the Disemergence, if that's even a word, of teams. Rob, word expert, is disemergence a, t- a word? Uh, yes, disemergence is a word. It is the opposite of emergence. It is more or less unemerging, going back inside a shell. Right. A little turtle's head. 
We have the Trojans and the Panthers coming up on June 19th. So obviously in the last head-to-head, the Panthers came away with that win and friggin' put the Trojans away when the Trojans had only lost UCD by one point in, I think, the previous week. But the Trojans just seem to be a different beast these days. And the Panthers on the opposite side of the spectrum also seem to be a different beast to what they were when they started the season. So what are your thoughts on this upcoming fixture on the 19th of June? It's really down to the Panthers to like get their act back together again. Those a few people prior to the season or even at the start of the season didn't believe the Panthers hype and that felt that once the Panthers started playing against sort of the big teams that they'd be quickly exposed and there has been two games where we've tried to make reasons for the Panthers not sort of continuing the the start that they had. At this stage, I think they really need to sort of get back in gear, put the foot down and sort of stop the Trojans. If they continue to falter, it's it's the season isn't long. If this downward spiral continues, if they don't get a, a quick bounce back now they're in I'd say most people will write them off as contenders for for making to a Shamrock Bowl the the Trojans themselves I don't know whether it's since they got back home to Derrimore and got run out that big inflatable head or that they haven't announced or what what the secret sauce is that they've sort of got that's got them back playing like the the Trojans that we all kind of remember. If you're if you're looking at it based on the current form, you are going to go for the Trojans to sort of get the win, considering like how they have sort of started performing. I don't want to write the Panthers off. I'm just uh, concerned for sort of how how quickly things have sort of declined for them. Yeah, a concerned citizen. That's a, a message from a concerned citizen regarding the, the Panthers. I think that the decline really goes to show the elite level of the likes of Ben Ruglan and Ray Burke, who were both, it just seems to have not quite clicked on offense since the two of them got injured. This, for the Panthers, is certainly a must-win game because they're still in playoff contention. The offense hasn't had good showing in the last two games, Um, I don't think it's scored, but the Panthers' defence has been quite productive given that, let's say, offence hasn't scored and the Panthers haven't haven't been shut out either. Like, so... You know, the Panthers' defense is, is is good. It's well able to, to turn over the, the ball and get and get scores from it. I think the first one was a safety from Joe Buchanan and the second score then was a, a pick six. And I can't remember who scored that one, so apologies. But their upcoming games, let's say, are Trojans, Cowboys and Rebels. So, I mean, if I'm the Panthers' head coach, let's say, I'm looking at which games... The expectation, obviously, is that you win every game, but that's not always going to happen. And I'm looking at ones, which ones which ones at this point are winnable, that our players remain healthy. And I would be looking at the Trojans and the Cowboys as my two games that I want to win in this regular season. Because if they win, what are they, three? They're sitting on three wins. They need five to be sure of a playoff spot. Isn't isn't that right, Joe? Or else other, other things come into it. So yeah. I would be looking at this game if I'm Panther as a must win game that the previous two games weren't necessarily must win 
and the Cowboys game as a must win. And Rob, you brought up a good point where since the Trojans have, have kind of started putting on their show at home, it, it's a different, they're, they're a different team and this upcoming fixture is at home and home field advantage is a thing and especially when you are putting that type of hype into game day is a thing. So it's it's just going to be just, that's just a fixture. I don't know what I'm doing with that one if I'm going Panthers or if I'm going Trojans. What are you, what are you doing with it, Joe? I think form in an eight-game season is paramount to pretty much everything. Panthers haven't scored an offensive touchdown since April 24th. Obviously, they've only played two games, but like, you know, it's still a thing. still going to be the last date on their mind that they scored. Trojans have been on fire at home. It could be the right game at the wrong time of the year for the Panthers. Based on how both teams have played, I don't see it happening for the, for the Panthers. It's funny as well, like... We, we were talking at the start of May and the Panthers were undefeated 3-0. We're thinking, yep, this is the team that could show themselves back up in, this, in the Shamrock Bowl, um, maybe have another swing at it, maybe things go differently for them and they win it. Two games later, well, including this one, three games later, they could be sitting, they could be sitting in the fifth seed because the Trojans would go equal on points with them. And depending on how the score difference goes, the Trojans could leapfrog them into that fourth seed. A very good point because this game is also very important for that head-to-head. Yes. Because it, it is possible that these two teams finish on the same record. So yeah, it, it's an incredibly important game for, for both teams that whichever one wins this could be looking at playoffs, really, realistically. That this could be a big decider on who on who clinches one of the spots. The thing with the, the Panthers as well is like they've got two of these like must-win games. Their next two games are, okay, well, if 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 we beat the Trojans, we still need to beat the Cowboys. Like There's no like, oh, we can afford to lose one. If you lose to the Cowboys, that's your head-to-head on that one gone. You, you could end up all being tied on points and two teams getting kicked out. I mean, realistically, we're, the way we're looking at it is there's only one spot available now. The Admirals look to have... A spot locked up and could end up uh, locking it up this week. So you're talking one spot between realistically three teams. It's like you have to win these games now. As if that doesn't get bad bad enough, like then you've you got the Rebels at the end of the season and they're going to be looking into at that stage. They could be saying to themselves, right, well, let's finish eight and zero. That that's it. And the, the other thing, it is it's something that we we said before. It's it's resilience, you know, because let's say the the Panthers and the Admirals. The Admirals have been thinking about that game for a long time. They were ready for that fixture for different reasons. You know, they knew they needed to win that game. And then the next game that the Panthers had was UCD. And it's one of those where, okay, you could kind of say UCD were on fire and probably were going to win that game ahead of that game. But the Panthers needed to display some level of resistance during those games or resilience, let's say. Whereas they didn't, like, it. it they were kind of bad enough losses for them where they're like you said like their form just isn't great they didn't come out of those games feeling great on the other side let's say for example the the rhinos panthers game even though the, the rhinos didn't win and they didn't score they still came out of that game feeling quite good about their form and that's so important so i agree with you the panthers form at the minute isn't isn't great they did pick up losses that you could kind of say okay they weren't the most important losses but the actual details of those losses were were quite grand so 
I think, yeah, I think despite the previous head-to-head, I think I'm going with the Trojans at home against the Panthers as well. Plus, I mean, this is what the this is what the Trojans do, isn't it? It's they, they lose their first few games and then they, they win the rest of them and they make the playoffs and end up winning the bowl. So, you know what I mean? It's like I've I've seen this movie before. And that's it. It'd be just like them to go on and upset the the number one seed in the semi final as well. Yeah. It'd be the it'd be the most Trojan thing to do. Wouldn't have it any other way. We have it then here, Trojans for the Shamapole. What if what if, what if Trojans Who would have said that six weeks ago? Trojans and U C D meet in the playoffs and Trojans deny them a spot again. Oh. But we haven't accounted for if UCD and Trojans meet again in the semi-final. It's the UCD revenge game. Oh. <laughs> Upcoming on the 12th, Pirates and Razorbacks. No, actually, we won't won't start there. Due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> on June 19th, we've at Trinity at Vikings and we've Crusaders at Minotaurs. So Trinity, at their, as we're saying, form is important. As, as Rob was saying, He's after launching an appeal to get bus fares for students paid. Just with the current form of Trinity, I'm going with Vikings at home on this one. I think a stat that we need to look into here um, is Trinity this season in games where they've had to travel more than two hours are NA because they did not show up to the first one. This is like another thing. Like there, I do believe that you can actually get a train from Dublin to Limerick as yeah. well as a bus. There is also, also, also an airport in Shannon. I know Shannon's County Clare, but there is an airport and there's an airport in Dublin. So there's three modes of transport. I'm excluding cars here or motorbikes. I don't know why you'd use a motorbike, but there's multiple options, multiple routes, multiple ways of getting from Dublin to Limerick in a safe, fast and efficient manner. So hopefully this this game will go ahead. Um, even given that I'm still going to back the Vikings. That reminds me, I just, I just absolutely have to give a shout out to the Vipers social media team. They are so extra, so salty. I am living, we are living for it. It's just, it's, it's fantastic. And I suppose we'll, we'll say no more and we'll move on then to the Crusaders and the Minotaurs. Um, we won't ask you, Joe, or will we? I mean, what do you want from me at this stage? Yeah, I know, yeah. Min- uh, Minotaurs. <laughs> like, you know. I'm also going, go, obviously going Minotaurs with it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Sean Dalton, see Alan Campbell. Um, I mean, Jack Lynch had a great day. The last day, um, I think that that'll continue as well. Oh, here's a little spanner in the works now. Uh, so we have yet to get confirmation as of time of recording. Uh, Jack uh, was injured during the Vikings game. Uh, he didn't return to the game. So I suppose that's a closely monitored. He would be doubtful. Yeah. Could be upgraded to questionable closer to game time. But um, it depends on the extent of the injury. And obviously we don't want him returning too quick and and doing more damage so obviously jack we hope you're all right don't uh please don't be out for the rest of the season we'd appreciate that and what's what's the injury it is a it is a knee injury and that's about the extent of what we know uh, we don't like i he's getting flashbacks i'd say god love him yeah but he he did he did say at least that it, it didn't feel it felt different okay good 
it felt different. Whether that's, that's a good thing, like, whether that's no. a good thing or a bad thing, is, is another question. It's like childbirth. You have the first one; it's horrific. You have the second one; you're kind of used to it. <laughs> you'd, you'd know, Rob, would you? <laughs> An expert in the field. <laughs> expert in the field. <laughs> um, I'd say it's very like that. In fairness, only, only uh, an ACL injury on a two-point conversion to win a bowl game is far more painful than childbirth. I think the more painful thing was that it wasn't ruled as a, as a conversion. That's so and Jack, he would have gladly torn his ACL had it been ruled uh, <laughs> a conversion. Score. Never forget. Anyway, June 12th, we've Pirates, Razorbacks and the Giants and the Jets. So Razorbacks for me on this Pirates game are, are going to take it and should take this one pretty pretty easy um rob what was the difference because you'd said earlier in the episode that the jets give give the mavericks a, a more difficult game but the razorbacks have kept g to a closer scoreline so what what was the difference for you against those two first game the team against jets i suppose it was both teams knocking off a bit of rust uh mavericks were quite low in numbers then playing against the two games against the Razorbacks, like like I said before, the Razorbacks are one of these teams that they say they don't travel well, so they came into the dock. That second half, the dock game was like the Mavericks will admit themselves. It was abysmal. Like their performance was just not up to up to scratch, and just really didn't you know go in and, and give it what they gave it in the first half. Then up in New Forge, the the Razorbacks done a great job of slowing down the run, shutting things down, and just getting you know in in on the players, you know, being playing some bully boy football, and that was a little bit more unsettling. Like so many of us have been told, you don't play to the whistle, you play through the whistle. And they made sure to play through the whistle, and it really sort of stood to them why they they were felt to be like a stronger kind of opponent in that sense. The next game against Jets uh, for the Mavericks will be an interesting one. It'll be in Dundalk, so I can't see like much change in in what they in what they they brought to the table after the first game. But all in all, I think that. If you have a home team Razorback against a home team Jets, the Razorbacks have appeared stronger. Joe, anything to say on the Razorbacks Pirates matchup, or are we happy? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's the Razorbacks. I'd love to, I'd love to give the Pirates a chance, but it's just at this stage, it's just not. I know it's yeah. not. You, you can't predict it, like you know. Which yeah. is unfortunate. Like, what if they they've scored twenty four points in the on the season in five games? To be near the end of your season and say you haven't even scored a touchdown a game is is a bit sad. And like again, like that that it's not that I know like lads out there giving everything they've got, and that's always great to see. And you know, uh, they they've finished every game is more than what can be said for you know some other clubs in the past. So and you know they're they're obviously still enjoying the football because they're you know they're still showing up, still rocking up with numbers, still playing again as I said through games and stuff like that. So um that's commendable in itself. 
especially when you're having such a bad year. But it's hard to see anything other than a Razorbacks win, really. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I agree that the Pirates have shown good good character resilience. Final game is the Giants at Jets. I know the Razorbacks will be hoping for a Giants win on this one. Um, but do we see that happening? No. No. <laughs> Rob with the insightfulness there. Love the Giants, love what they're about, but from from what we've seen, from what we played against, it's just the Jets. Like it's really theirs to lose. If they don't get a W, they'll really know themselves and have dropped the ball on that one. I can't argue with that. I mean, you get Scott McLean at home against a defense with some with some pieces, but just not a full unit. They're travelling as well. Uh, on the back of a 39-0 loss. I mean, yeah, it, it's the Jets. Scott McLean to score or to contribute for five touchdowns, either running or passing. I think that's a, quite a large a large scoreline. I'm kind of like, come on now, Nathan Chapman, you get it done, and Ross McKenzie and all of them. He's for, let's go. Let's go for these Giants. But yeah, ultimately, like, yeah, I can see it being a Jets win. I just think like the, the Jets are just that little bit a little bit more uh, composed and as Rob says a little bit more aggressive than what the Giants currently are uh, and it should it should be said as well that like the season shouldn't be seen as like a, a um they shouldn't be seen as losers from the season the Giants like I assume we're going to have like a winners and losers portion at some stage after the season but like they've gone two and three uh forfeited their first game of the year so like in games they've played two and two they very quickly surpassed their 2019 you know it, it's been a good season they've put up some good scores and stuff like that so um there uh, there is definitely something to build on there for the future it's just it's just not their season so the, the division is just too tough at the moment because the mavericks have have come into their division <laughs> a last minute audible and the next thing they're they're facing the mavericks like three or four times <laughs> season and they were really like looking ahead going oh this this could be our year lads you know like like in every like school teen drama it's like oh the kid is like oh he's a freshman and he's starting to do all right in school he's starting to get maybe a bit of a friend group and going he's oh i'm feeling good about myself and then there's like this scene where like the bully shows up and it's just like a slow pan up to just see how big and massive this lad is he's basically just like give me all your lunch money and i feel like that's what the mavericks have done (laughs) bullying their way through the season 39 nil win here. What else did you have? 52-8 there. I mean, fair play to you for putting up the scoreline all the same. What was my point there? Uh, Giants are good. Uh, give it time. Mavericks, boo. Mavericks, boo. Boo, the Mavericks. <laughs> Just kind of closing comments more so is that the difference in the way that we discuss Division 2 has completely changed from what it was at the start of the season. At the start of the season, it was very kind of like, yeah, Mavericks are going to win out that division. No, still not saying that they won't win out that division, but it has certainly shown itself to be far more competitive than uh, we would have thought at the start. So that's a credit to the Giants, the Jets, the Razorbacks, and... and the the pirates as well one more thing one more thing and i think we can't finish the show without acknowledging that in less than maybe 12 hours a certain mr joseph kennehan is graduating is getting a a conferring event or whatever they call it after graduating two years ago that's good enough for us Congratulations, Joe. Well done. We always knew you could do it, man. We always knew I could do it. Aw, cheers, babes. (laughs) I really appreciate it.
All, all two of yous. I'm sure the rest of you don't care. <laughs> but to the two of yous, I thank you very much. Thank you for staying up so late um, to do the show. And Kelly, thank you for getting up so early to do the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Like we said at the start, what what we up was uh, half five. Well, again, I messed up the starting time of the show, but yeah, half five, half five. Yeah, that's uh, that's ridiculous. Catch me never doing that, by the way. You're like, never ask, and I'll never disappoint. So we're so here at the domestic game podcast. We're your hosts, Kenny Boyer, Joe Kinahan. Not what we call that. Peace. Mm-hmm.